That was Joe Harding, and this is the Know and Do podcast. This is Justin Barton, the host of said podcast and the former host of the former Know and Do podcast, which has been absorbed into this Journey Through Life podcast. I'm really grateful to be here and really grateful and excited to share this conversation I had with Joe Harding recently. He's a great guy with a fantastic story. And as we walk through this story together, you will see kind of an awakening that happens as we discuss meanings in life and the purposes for life and lessons learned in life. It was really a great conversation, and I know that you will get something out of it. Now, one of the purposes and one of the main purposes of doing this podcast for me is to help others leave a legacy for those who come behind them. I have a few relatives, grandparents, uncles, who have passed on before I had a chance to have these types of conversations with them. And I really wish I would have taken those opportunities, but it just wasn't in my wheelhouse or in my interests at that point. And that is one of the reasons why we have partnered up with A Life Untold, which is a fantastic service to help people leave a legacy for those who come behind them. A Life Untold is a company that helps absolutely anyone turn their life story into a beautifully designed hardcover book. Their process is designed to be easy for everyone. All you do is complete an interview with thought-provoking questions about your life. You can either do that online or get one of their biographers to interview you live over the phone. After the interview is complete, A Life Untold takes over and designs, prints, and delivers your life story as a hardcover book right to your door. It makes a great gift to a loved one in your life or will be a great project to do on your own. Either way, this life story, bound in a printed book, is something your family will treasure for generations. I'm grateful to announce that listeners to the Journey Through Life podcast will save 10% on all orders by using the code JUSTIN at checkout. You can find all of the details on their website at www.alifeuntold.com. Remember to use the promo code JUSTIN when checking out at their website to save 10%. Now let's get started on this fantastic conversation I had with Joe Harding. I think you will be inspired and touched and moved to become a little bit better person than you are today. I know that's how I feel. All right, Joe. Well, tell me a little bit about where you come from. Where, tell me about maybe your parents or grandparents, some of the first people you remember having a good influence in your life. Uh, well, probably to start, it would be my dad, number one. Um, he, uh, I went to live with my dad when I was five. Okay. Um, through the state and whatnot. Got back, he got me back from my mom. Mm. And I've lived with my dad ever since I was five in California. Um, just grew up in California until I was, what, 11? 11 years old in 1991 when me and my dad moved up here, 92. Hmm. Uh, we moved to Medical Lake. Um, just 
grew up in Medical Acres as the only child until I was 13 or 14 and then my dad met my mom, which is my mom, Tina. Um, she's a good lady. She's been my mom ever since. Really the only mom I ever really knew and ever really had since I was a little kid. So um, she had her own two kids and then they had my little sister, Lola. Um, when I was 16, 17 years old, I think, my dad had my little sister. They had my little sister, Lola. Mm -hmm. um, went through high school, graduated. Didn't really get too big into anything in high school other than just being a kid and wrestled a little bit, did a little bull riding. Oh. Um, that was pretty exciting. I worked a lot. I've been working. Been working since I was uh, in high school. Really started mm -hmm. working at Yokes mm -hmm. out there in Airway Heights, um, cutting meat. The meat department. I think I never really became a journeyman meat cutter, but mm -hmm. I probably have enough hours to consider myself a journeyman meat cutter. Okay. Um, I had all that done about twenty years old, I think. Mm -hmm. I graduated when I was nineteen. Quit working at Yolks when I was 20, and then I started pouring concrete. I went to years of concrete, been pouring concrete ever since. Um, so, so let me jump back a little bit here. You mentioned that it was at about five years old when you went and lived with your dad. What, what yeah. types of memories do you have from before you were five? Do you have much in your mind of, of what your life was like? Why, you know, what happened in those times? Um, I really don't really. I mean, I remember some of it in and out of uh the i guess the people call it the system oh, okay um in and out of foster home hmm. i uh from what i was told from my mother is that she just decided she wanted to move to missouri my dad was in california hmm. she was from missouri so she went back home to see her mom with me and that's where we ended up staying she got in trouble for something I still don't know what mm -hmm. and I ended up going into foster home mm. with my little brothers that she had from another guy that I don't know right and we ended up being in a foster home for a couple years mm. to all together as all three of my me and my two brothers and somehow it came up for my dad they because he was on my birth certificate I assume so they got a hold of him and said that, here's Joe, he's in the foster home, whatever, whatever, do you wanna have him, he's yours. And my dad said, yeah, and he amazingly quit drinking. Mm. Um, my dad, I've never seen him drink. Wow. Never seen him do any drugs. He quit drinking to get me, and I moved with him when I was five. So that's really cool. He, so, so apparently previous to that, he was having, he, he drank a lot, he did mm -hmm. drugs, whatever. But because of the um, responsibility and opportunity to, to, to bring you into his life, he, he chose to stop those things. Huh? Yeah, he sobered up completely and uh, flew me from Missouri to California to live with him. Wow. Did he just go cold turkey? Did he go through like a 12-step program? How, no, how did he I, do that? I think he went through the Alcohol Anonymous and the 12-step uh -huh. program. Uh -huh. I don't really, he doesn't really do it anymore. Right. I mean, it's been 30 years, right. so... Going 34, 35 years now. Yeah, that's awesome. So, that's, I mean, really I know I know he fought it pretty hard from what he has told me. You know, like I said, I've never seen him drink or anything. Mm -hmm. So, I really don't know other than what I've heard. Right. 
he's yeah he's been sober for a long time that's really cool and and you know i can only imagine putting myself in what i assume maybe he felt when he got that phone call hey we got joe here you want him that would be quite a shocker i think to the system yeah there would be and it just and then just to be the man that he was to step up and say okay you know sure five years later i mean you know he hasn't seen me since i was a couple weeks old yeah five years later he gets a phone call saying here here's your son we found him do you want him and he said yeah well here's the hoops you get to jump through make sure you're right and make sure you're qualified to have a kid and he did it you know and that was back in 1985 yeah you know totally different than what it is today yeah what uh so so there's some really cool qualities that your dad has there how would you define those qualities Um, what would you call that quality that your dad has that made him make all those changes to bring you into his life amazing um me being a parent and looking back to what the situations are that i'm dealing with today with all of my children that i have mm-hmm. for my dad to be able just to do that and completely change his life i mean that's life-changing i was his only kid you know just out of nowhere to completely turn your life around and to be able to stick to it and achieve it and be that person for the rest of your life as a image, I guess, you know? I look at my dad as a sober person. I've never seen him not sober. And for him to have the power to stay that way is amazing. Yeah. You know, because I haven't been able to. Mm. <laughs> no, absolutely not have I ever been able to stay sober with my family and my kids. Mm. And it's stressful. Yeah. And for him to not have that crutch to lean on or that excuse, I said it while I was drunk or I did this while, you know? It takes a lot, and it's just amazing to me that he can do that. Wow. And that, thank you for sharing that. What are some other qualities that your dad instilled into you, um, you know, as, as, as a youth and as a young, young man? Um, to work. Um, work is mainly, but, you know, of course, to respect the elders. You know, don't talk back. You know, don't, all that stuff. It was... I got a lot of whoopings when I was a kid <laughs> and got my mouth washed out a few times and the respect of it a lot for the elders has got to be of course the top of the list mm. but work they pounded into me and to make me work and work and work as much as I have that's all I know yeah you know and I got that from him because that's what he did you know he's been a heavy equipment operator and I always wanted to be that well, I want to run them big loaders and do this and do that. And huh. Just fell in love with working. That's all I really know. So did you love work from a chi- from, from early childhood? You, yeah. It did, you didn't have too many resentments against your dad for him making you no. work? I got a picture on my phone from probably 1988. It's my actually screensaver on my phone uh-huh. of me swinging a sledgehammer, splitting firewood. Uh-huh. Um, and I look at it every single day. Every single time I pick up my phone, it's on there. And it just reminds me of those days, you know, back in the 80s when we didn't have the stupid Nintendos and <laughs> play all the stuff that the kids do that they just don't even want to do anymore. 
because they're on their phones. Yeah. We're hanging out. Well, we didn't have that when we were kids. So we were out playing in the dirt and yeah. finding something to do. Well, dad put a hammer in my hand or a shovel. Mm -hmm. So I've been running a shovel for a long time. Started scooping up dog poop. Mm. From dog poop to dog poop much to heavier stuff, huh? Slinging concrete now. Yeah. Well, not anymore, but. Right. Right. Well, let's 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 get into that a little bit here. So, about a year and a half ago, um, you had you had this life-changing experience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what led up to it, and then what happened? Um. Well, I decided to. Uh, Man. Yeah, a year and a half ago, I broke my neck. Um, I went from being a crazy party animal, drinking and working and drinking some more, to thought I was going to be a young kid again, I guess, and we bought a dirt bike. Probably shouldn't have bought it fast as a dirt bike if you did, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. I don't know how. I just, we decided to do it. We, I say we, it was my buddy's bike. It wasn't my bike. Mm. Um, I helped him buy it. And I just happened to be the one to get hurt on it. And luckily, it was right across the street. Not too far away. So what, what, you were just riding down the street then? Yeah, we were gonna go to the uh, Joe Albee Stadium that night on a Friday to go watch our daughter, Taisley, cheer for the uh, Battle of the Bell game. Mm. And Teresa was at work, I hadn't, wasn't working that day. And had some drink, a few beers, probably more than I should've, because we weren't, a, allowed to drink beer at the Joe Albee Stadium. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to have a few beers before we went to the football game. Well, that led to too many. And I was going to just ride that dirt bike real quick and put it away before Teresa got home from work. I knew she was on her way home. It was 5 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to go spin around the block real quick and come back and park it. And I made it to the street right there and hit the curb or something. Mm. I don't know what happened. Um, I remember saying by saying one of my buddies was pulling up to hang out for a minute, and I told him I'd be right back. And his brother was sitting here, Austin, waiting for me. And uh, I don't know. I remember looking over my shoulder, getting out in the middle of the street, and I remember seeing the curb. And that's all I really remember. And I. I remember hearing some dude walk over the top of me, ask me if I was okay. And I said, I'm not okay, and I need you to call Teresa. And I gave him Teresa's number and woke up in the hospital, I think the next day. Hmm. It might have been the same day, I'm not sure. But it, yeah, woke up in the hospital, <laughs> staring at the lights, wondering what's happening. So what, what, did, what, what thoughts went through your head I mean, were you very lucent when you came to in the hospital the next day? Could you figure out, hey, you're wondering what's going on? And then what thoughts came went through your head as you're starting to grasp what, what's happening? Um, the first thought was, was where was the dirt bike at? Mm. 
and that I was gonna obviously I wanted to ride it again mm. wondering what happened you know I didn't know what happened I wasn't really didn't understand I guess mm-hmm. what was going on and I didn't know that my legs weren't gonna work I didn't know I wasn't gonna be able to walk and it just I didn't accept it at that time because I was confused about it I guess I can say mm-hmm. and what my life's going to be like now you know because the doctors were telling me that I'm not going to walk they were telling me that I wasn't going to move my hands that I wasn't going to do anything at mm-hmm. first so I was going to be a vegetable I guess Mm. but I was still alive yeah and I just I really didn't know how to take it so I just kind of played it off I guess Mm. just okay whatever whatever I was confused so when the doctor said you're not gonna be able to walk or really do anything on your own the rest of your life what emotions went through your head at that time Yeah, I was mad. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I wanted to live anymore. Mm. <laughs> that was the main one. Mm. But I knew I had to. And I knew I need to. Why did you know you had to or needed to live? Because of my family. Yeah. I have children and a beautiful wife that I have, you know, I need to be here for. And for that big of an emotion to, I don't even know. It's like it would have brought me to my knees if I could have stood up and fell to my knees, I guess. Yeah. But I couldn't fall to my knees because I was just paralyzed. Yeah. You know, just your eyeballs. That's all I had for the first month, I would think. God, I was in the hospital. I was in the hospital for three months. Yeah. In the first month, I pretty much just had eyeballs to move. Hmm. And it, you know, I, I couldn't really cry about it. I don't think I really cried in the hospital until towards the end of being in the hospital. What triggered you crying when towards the end of the hospital? Why? Why did you do it then? Because I, after being in the hospital for the few months that I was in there, the couple months, whenever I did finally break down and realize that I was paralyzed. You know, that's really a hard thing to swallow. Mm-hmm. Everything's taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Now you just get to look at life. Mm-hmm. You know, to not be able to use my hands anymore is ridiculous. And it's just the whole entire change. And you, you have no choice but to accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a choice. It's not something you get to pick of what kind of condition you're going to be in. It's, it's given to you. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So, the first time I met you, you had just gotten home. Mm-hmm. And I remember you had very little movement in your left hand. That yep. was all you had at that time. And I was like, man, it's awesome he has movement in his left hand, but I'm sure that was not, you know? But tell me oh, the first time you realized I've got, some, I've got <laughs> something going on here. Tell me, tell me about that. That's 
It's hilarious. Um, I was still in the hospital. It was, uh, I just have to say a week before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about a week before Christmas, my neighbor down here brought her daughters to the hospital. They brought me, uh, they stopped at Dick's downtown and brought me a milkshake. <clears throat> and uh, just stopped in to say, hey, Merry Christmas, whatever. And uh, I was laying in bed, laying in bed like this, and Tiffany was feeding me my milkshake, and she put it down, and I had asked her, I said, hey, can you give me some more of that shake? And her little daughter, Kicker, said, well, why don't you just feed it yourself? Why can't you just do it yourself, Joe? What's wrong with you? You know, just making fun of me. Mm. Well, being the lovely little kid that she is, I went to pop her upside her head because we know her so well, you know, right, she's part right. of the family. So I went to hit her, uh-huh. I guess, upside the head, like, shut up, you little kid, leave me alone. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize my hand moved, but it flinched when I went to do it. Huh. So I was like, holy cow, man, my hand just moved. What the heck just happened? Uh-huh. And this is, I'd already been in the hospital for two months. Mm. No, it was longer than that, almost two and a half months. We were just getting ready to go to St. Luke's huh. to come home. It was like two weeks before I came home, my hand moved. And anyway, so I went to hit her, and my hand moved, and I looked at Tiffany, and I asked her, I said, did you just see that? And she said, I see what? And I went to do it again, and it flexed again, and just again, and again, and again. Huh. And it just was that little bitty, that little bitty movement it was just crazy to be able to go to hit, and it reacted after a month of not being able to do anything. It so a light went on. Yeah, so what were your emotions when you realized, oh my heck, I was able to... I was able to move. So as soon as that happened, I was like, holy cow, if I can move that, then I'm going to be able to walk again. Mm. These doctors don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Great. I was happy. I was excited. Um, I prayed a lot in the hospital. Mm. I've never been a real big prayer in my life, Mm -hmm. but I did pray a lot in the hospital. Um, I talked to the the guys and the the pastors or whatever that Mm -hmm. come walking around in the hospital for you, but... I talked to those guys a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember praying a lot and asking for my hands. Just give me my hands. Just give me that's all I want in my hands. Mm-hmm. Just let me move my arm. Something, mm-hmm. you know. And then that had happened. So once that happened, I really believed that I was going to walk and everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And this isn't going to be as bad as they say, mm-hmm. you know. And Tiffany, the neighbor, she asked if she could post it on Facebook or whatever to let everybody see and this and that. And I told, I remember getting to tell Teresa that day that that happened and it was just the excitement and all my kids, everybody was just so happy. And just, it was amazing, the feeling. It was like something just got lifted off of me. Like, holy cow, it's just gonna work. And could you feel that too when you moved it or was it just? Do you, do you have feeling in there now? No, I can't pretty much feel anything past my forearms there. here. Okay. Yeah. I can feel a little bit on my thumbs, but that's about it. Okay. I can't feel any of my fingers. Mm. So, now I want to go back a little bit. Your dad put the love mm-hmm. of work, hard work in you. He taught you those things. Has that been of benefit to you? How has that been of benefit to you over the last year and a half? This the work. It, it's been a benefit, but it actually it's kind of been a 
opposite of a benefit, like a negative. Mm-hmm. Because all I know is work. Mm-hmm. And all I do is, all I've done is work, you know, concrete, concrete. That's all that's in my brain for the last 15 years, you know? And I don't get to do it anymore. So it negative, you know, I get a negative from it too. So I don't get it. I don't get that mm-hmm. um, sensation. Mm-hmm. I guess to say of being able to go out and bust my ass and mm-hmm. come home hurting from working all day. Yeah. I don't get that anymore, but it does benefit me too, though, because it gives me that power to try to work towards the stuff every day. And it's hard to keep that mind frame to work and work and work mm-hmm. at it because it's slowly, it's a slow process now. Yeah, you don't you don't get to lay the forms and mm-hmm. in one day and pour the, no. the cement the next day. Yeah. There's no wham, bam, thank you, man, to this right now. It's all slow motion. Mm. You get what you get. So, but you still have to work at it. You know, I still have to get up every day and work. Or I I notice I get more uh, depressed, mm. more uh, not wanting to do it, not wanting to keep going if I don't get up. So what, what motivates you now to get up and do the work you can do to continue to progress slowly? Um, just the motivation of to get up every day is, it can, you know, I, I do feel it's gonna get better. I know it's gonna take a long time. Um, I know when I get up every day, my family's a lot happier than when I'm just laying in bed doing nothing. Because mm-hmm. I actually am out and involved in family. You know, we we try to go do things when we can mm-hmm. as a family. So that that helps me as well as it helps the family too. Because it's just as hard as on them as it is as me. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's just as hard, but it's pretty damn hard for them, too. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, so tell me what progress has been made in your physical recovery over the last 18 months. I mean, you you mentioned the little movement in your left hand. Mm-hmm. What else What? Um, what else can you do now that you couldn't 18 months ago? I can move both my arms now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I still don't have any tricep muscles, I guess they say. Okay. But my biceps... Both arms work in my forearms. I don't have any fingers mm-hmm. in either hand. None of my fingers work. Um, I can sit up pretty well on my own. You know, I got pretty good sitting balance now compared to where I was 18 months ago. I, I progress that every day. I feel my sitting balance gets better yeah. every single day. Working on that six pack. Mm-hmm. Get that, yeah, get my six pack back. Yeah. So other than that, I mean, it, I I can feed myself now. That's awesome. Um, brush my teeth, mm-hmm. you know, stuff, just little hygiene stuff like that. Um, but other than that, it's still a hassle. Everybody yeah, has to do everything for me. Yeah. Um, I don't have any legs yet. I don't have any feeling below. Probably about my rib cage, okay. mid stomach or so is where I lose all my feeling. Mm. So it's it's a slow process, but yeah. I get there. You're you're working and you're doing. I mean, 
like I said, from the first time I met you till, till now, the, the physical difference is massive. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure it's really frustrating, but I'm sure there's some hope, you know, that, that do you, what, what kind of hope do you feel? What is your hope? Oh, well, obviously I hope that I can walk. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably never going to happen though. Mm. I still try to say probably never going to happen, but in reality, it's never going to happen. I'm gonna, yeah. I'll be in this wheelchair for the rest of my life. Mm. And uh, so that's really a hard thing to swallow mm. and accept, but I'm still just, I still hope I can walk someday, you know? I don't really hope just, I don't know what I'm gonna really hope I get out of this. You know? mm-hmm. It just, other than just wanting to hope it would just all go away. It's mm-hmm. not gonna though. So I just used the little things, you know. It started with a hand, went to the right hand, then it started to be where I can sit up more, and just, it all was gonna progress just slowly. So I just, I really just hope it would go faster. Yeah. But. Have you ever been a very patient person in your life? Mm-hmm. Only time I was ever patient was when I was watching concrete dry. <laughs> In the wintertime. That is really interesting. Because you have really no choice but to be patient with it. You can't speed it up. No, I'm I'm a pretty patient guy, I guess. I don't really get... Yeah, I'm really not a patient guy. Just hurry up right now. Yeah. Especially being in this condition because I can't do anything for myself. So I have to learn those patients. It's simple as getting in and out of the car. Like, yeah, I'm used to throwing the key in the ignition and going, or pulling the ignition key out and jumping out of the car real quick. Well, now I don't get to do that. Mm -hmm. I have to wait for everybody else to get out of the way, for them to unstrap me, for the wheelchair ramp to go up and down. Just getting in and out of the car takes 20 minutes now compared to it used to only take a minute or two. Yeah. So my patience level has grown a lot. But I don't really, I've never really been a patient guy. I have a daughter named Patience, though. Hmm. <laughs> Believe it or not. Wow. What are your goals moving forward in life? Not just in you know physical recovery. What types of things do you want to accomplish moving forward? Well, obviously, I have to. I'm gonna have to find something else to do in life, other than being the physical construction person that I was. So I hope hope to achieve something in that someday um i'd like to move i guess eventually um i mean i don't know really what further achievements that i can really do at this point you know i'm gonna have to find something else to do i guess in life other than what i've done yeah what types of interests do you have that you're thinking i might be able to do that well i've been thinking about really just going back to school Hmm. Um, maybe being a counselor or, uh, you know, work towards like helping kids or helping even people in this position that I'm in. Yeah. You know, figuring out different ways because there's really nothing to do for the quadriplegic that I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to find things to do, especially in Spokane. Yeah. There's, you know, there's not very many programs that we 
like that. So it would be really cool to set up a big program for either people in my condition or, mm-hmm. you know, or even kids, help kids that are struggling and get them on their feet or stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Make a big youth group or something. I don't know, some kind of counseling would be an interest because obviously they don't have to do anything but talk, so. Right. I guess I just have to go to school to learn how to talk. <laughs> so what's holding you back from that? Uh, nothing. I'm just, yeah. you know, I'm still new with this, so, you know. Yeah. It's not a really a big rush right now. Right. I'm focusing on, on getting more independent than working on getting into school right now. Teresa's going through school right now, too, so. What's she, what's she going to study? She's working on her uh, paralegal oh, program. Very good. Very good. Um, who are some people who have been an inspiration to you in your life? Who have, whether you know them personally or you see them and you know their work from books or talks they've done or whatever that kind of drive, that are inspirational to you? <laughs> Dang, that's a or do I Um Obviously, my dad is mm-hmm. an inspiration. Um, just to be able to his sobriety, man. That that's just a crazy thing to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was uh, younger in school, my inspiration, you know, would be like uh, watching guys ride bulls and stuff, hmm. you know, those, those guys are amazing. So I wanted to be that, so I tried it. Mm-hmm. Um, riding, you know, seeing guys do stupid things on dirt bikes, you know, that was amazing. So I wanted to try it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really spent a lot of time pouring concrete. There's something about it that got me going. Well, how does pouring concrete relate to life? I mean, can you take life lessons out of your work with concrete that you could teach somebody else, hey, that's just like pouring concrete. Let me teach you something. Because it's going to get hard. Um, There's there's a step to it. You know, it's the drive to accomplish at the end result when it's done, you know? Anybody can put it on the ground, but what's gonna happen after it's on the ground? You know, anybody can live life. Everybody gets to live their own life. But what are they gonna do with it when it's there and it's handed to you? Here you go, here's your here's your concrete truck full of life. We're gonna give it to you. We're gonna give it to everybody and let everybody figure out what they're gonna do with it. Are you gonna make it beautiful and stamp it and color it and do that to it? Or are you gonna cut 1,500 joints in it and broom it in 10 different directions? Or are you gonna just cut one joint in it and call it good? Or are you gonna just not know what the heck you're doing with it and have a mess and you gotta jackhammer it out the next day? You, know, you can look at life that way. Mm. You know, everybody's given the same life. It's what do you do with it? How do you make it beautiful? How do you, do you want to be the overachiever? You know, yeah, every, it's only a yard of concrete, but still I overachieved that yard of concrete. And now my piece of concrete worth 
20 grand compared to your piece of concrete that's worth nothing because you jackhammered it out the next day because you didn't even do it right. But you yeah. could have, but you didn't want to. Because yeah. you didn't want to sweat like I did. You mm-hmm. didn't want to be covered in colored stuff and just have messy clothes and everything. You wanted to just step back and just, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. if you took those extra 10 steps and went a little further, you just made an extra 20 grand in your pocket. Yeah. You, know, you can look at life like that, I guess. And the concrete dries the same speed either way, basically, it right? It all dries the same. Just what it looks like when it's done. Yep. That's really cool. Thanks for that uh, lesson. One other thing I want to dig into a little bit. You've, <laughs> I think it's crazy. I never looked at it like that. Yeah. I, and I think you can develop that a little bit. I think mm-hmm. you can de- develop that idea and turn it into a presentation to be kind of a motivational thing for these youth groups you're talking about or other people who are in that situation, you know, your same situation. Well, it's, it's with anything, though. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can look at that with anything. I seen a thing on the phone the other day. Well, not the other day. It's about a month ago. Mm-hmm. But it was over... It was a picture of two different welds well, hold on, I gotta lean back here. I'm losing yeah. my balance. Okay. It was a, a guy had a picture of two different welds for welding. He just welded two different pieces of metal together. One was a really nice, smooth, beautiful weld that was perfect, didn't need no grinding done. And the other one was just all looked like bird poop. And uh, it was something on the point of a $30 an hour weld or a $15 an hour weld, what are you gonna, you know, the boss asked me for, if I could weld, but he only offered me $15 an hour, so this is what I give him. Mm. But if he would've gave me $30 an hour, I would've welded it like this. Well, that's not right. You shouldn't look at life like that. You shouldn't look at your work like that. It's the same thing with the concrete truck, you know? Once that truck shows up, I can put it on the ground, touch it one time and call it good. It'll still be done and still hold, but it's going to look like garbage, you know, compared to that weld, you know, you're doing the same thing. You have to still weld that piece of metal together. No matter what you're making, 15 or $30 an hour, it's just still look the same to your best ability. I like that. You know, and, it's, and that's true with life, too, you know. You shouldn't just lay back and just let it happen. You should strive for a better life. You know, I want to be better. I want to get out of this wheelchair. And if I was just to give up and say, okay, this is what it is, then this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. And I can't have it like that. I have to keep going. Mm. And just that weld, that welding picture really threw me off that day. Because to be a welder for, or a concrete guy or a computer tech or whatever, whatever you want to be for a surgeon for 10 years, 20 years and then go to go get a job as that and then say oh well I'm not going to get paid what I'm worth I'm just going to give them half the work Mm. well that ain't you shouldn't do that I don't believe I think you should just jump in there head first show them what you got give it that 100% you know you might only had to do it for that $15 an hour that day but I guarantee you the next day you're going to have more money yeah you know and that happened to me when I was pouring concrete I started at eight like eight bucks an hour and it was like two weeks into it or something, maybe a month into it, we were on a job and the boss was mad, yelling at some guy for rolling the edges on the concrete or something and he had left me 
all by myself on this back porch that we were setting up. And I really didn't know what I was doing, but I knew how to swing a sledgehammer and I knew those stakes had to be in the ground. So I knew by watching him, what he was doing, he went up front to the front of the house and was yelling at the guy. So I just kept doing what he was doing the best I could. And I ended up getting the porch almost all the way set up by the time he got back. And he looked at me and he was like, wow, man, I really didn't expect this out of you. You know, I, I just assumed you were gonna just sit back here and hang out until I got back. So here you go, I'm gonna toss you another four bucks an hour, man, that's worth 13 bucks an hour to me. Good job, Joe. Nice. And that's, as soon as that happened, and that was like two months into pouring concrete and I got in a $4 raise and I was like, holy cow, man, this is awesome. Well, now I want 20 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, that guy's making 25, I want what he's making, so I'm gonna do what he's doing. Right. I'm gonna run around and follow that guy and learn what he's doing. Instead of just kicking back and taking that 13, you know, I, I could have been at 13 bucks an hour for 10 years if I wanted to, yeah. but I didn't. I wanted 20 bucks an hour, which now is still 20 bucks an hour, still 20 bucks an hour. Right. And that's what everybody shoot for. But it's just, you don't really have to do anything. You can lay back and just chill. Mm. Or you can take those extra steps and get further in life. Or just sit back and do the thing that you started doing at the very beginning, not go anywhere with it. And that makes all the difference, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because life's still the same. Exactly. Um, same thing. If, same if, I'm, thing. if I'm making $8 an hour or $20 an hour, I still have to get up and, you know, do it. The day goes by, whether, whether I'm, you know, sitting on my butt or pressing forward trying to do a little bit better huh? oh yeah or you yeah or you can take those extra steps and try to get better mm-hmm. or just sit back and keep your little pocketbook that you want <laughs> yeah that's really cool I think that is something that you can develop um, this this idea this concept that we just talked about here something you can really develop and, and create it into a bigger motivational type thing or well I feel that you something. need to do that today because then it just I've noticed more since I've been in this chair I've looked at life a lot different Mm -hmm. there's a a lot of sad people and I am one of them I'm a very sad person now Mm -hmm. but I really kind of have a reason but there's a a lot of people that are just sad and don't want to do anything and I really think that something like that just to motivate people to just get up and get off your feet you know and do something you know especially with kids the teenage kids i got a house full of teenage kids right now Mm -hmm. and to try to motivate them to do anything even their own laundry is just ridiculous i really think that kids need something yeah or even people in my condition you know because it's real hard to be here you know, they, they need something to go and talk to. I need something to go and talk to. Yeah. You know, other than people that don't know anything about it. It's hard to talk to. In my opinion, it's hard to talk to somebody about where I'm at and what to do for where I'm at when they're not where I'm at. Someone like me? Yeah. yeah. Well, not not so much like you, because you're not trying to sit here and tell me, okay, this is what's going to be, this is how you're going to do it. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you're only going to get this far, that you can only do this, this, and this now. Well, then you don't know. Mm-mm. You know, it's really hard to do it in, like, counseling and therapy and stuff, because 
they're healthy people trying to tell me to do things. And mm. it's, you know, they don't understand, you know, they, you're not here. Mm. You don't know what it's like to stare at your foot and not be able to move it. Mm. I forgot how to move my feet. I, I don't even remember how to move my feet anymore. Mm. It's really mind-boggling sometimes. To, you know, it's real weird. Mm. Or to move my thumb, pick my thumb. I, I can't remember how to pick up my thumb. Mm. And it's something that, that your whole life you just never even Naturally, thought about. It's just yeah. like, oh, I move my thumb. Ever, you know, ever since you were a kid, you yeah. started moving parts of your body. started sitting up, started crawling, started walking. What not obvious things did you take for granted previous that you now go, man, I really miss doing that simple but not obvious thing, you know? I wish I wouldn't have taken that for granted. Um, just the, oh man, what I shouldn't have took for granted. I took, I guess I took everything for granted. And I guess, every, you know, generally, most people do. Yeah, oh, totally. Life in general, you know, just just be able to, when you wake up in the middle of the night and roll over because you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, just, I can't do that. Mm. I have to wake Teresa up to help me roll over in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know, just that being able to when you wake up in the morning and just to be able to put your feet down on the floor and step out of bed Mm. and stretch and you know a lot of people complain about having to get up Mm -hmm. well I would love to get up freely and Mm. move around in the morning and walk to the kitchen again and turn that coffee pot on or brushing your teeth you know, that's another thing that we just didn't even think about it. it was just a normal thing to do. Well, now it's a hassle. Yeah. I got I got to have help doing that. Mm-hmm. Help put the toothpaste on the toothbrush. Help to make sure the toothbrush don't fall out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's in my hand the right way. Mm-hmm. Little simple things in life like that are itching your ear. Mm-hmm. I can't reach. I can't eat, itch my right ear. Mm-hmm. I haven't been able to itch my right ear yet. Mm. So I have to have help to itch the right side of my head. Mm. Um, put my clothes on. I can't, you know, came put my socks on. I have to yeah. do that. Just, man, the, and then obvious, the obvious things they take for granted, being able to walk and, mm-hmm. you know, bend over and grab whatever you want. And I can't, I can't hold on to anything. Mm-hmm. So just those things you take for granted, just to grab a cup and drink it. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't grab a cup and drink it. Mm. I have yeah. to have a straw. Yeah, those are a lot of the things that I totally take for granted every day. I, I don't appreciate the 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 blessing that, that it is. Well, I did too, man. Things. I did too. Yeah. I took life for granted real to the fullest. Man. I've mm-hmm. done a lot of bad things and drinking and drugs and... The amount of times that I've done things to myself that I shouldn't have done and I got away with. Mm-hmm. As simple as driving and speeding or driving drunk, 
You know, so many times in my life that I've drove drunk, mm -hmm. never got pulled over. I got a DUI when I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. I was still in high school, right out there, the Airway Heights drag strip, on my way back from the Northtown Mall when we used to all hang out in the parking lots because we couldn't cruise Riverside no more. Right. So we started hanging out in the parking lots of the Division, drinking beers all night long, and I was driving back home. Got a DUI in Airway Heights, spent the night in jail, and I never got a DUI again. That was the only one that mm -hmm. I ever had in my life, but I should have probably had a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. um, how many times I've wrecked on something, even when I was a kid on a bicycle, falling off the loading docks at the post office and landing on my head and walking mm -hmm. away from that. Or, yeah. You know, diving into a swimming pool too shallow and hitting your forehead or your nose, walking away from that, or, you know, bull riding. I've been had the shit stomped out of me by them bulls to where mm. I've had bruises from top to bottom in mm. my ribs and my head and wow. walk away from that stuff. The trouble, the, you know, the accidents that I've gotten into that I shouldn't have gotten. And, you know, it's like you take all that stuff for granted because it just don't happen to you. And you're just walking away and you feel invincible. Hmm. I felt invincible. Nothing happened to me. Nothing at all. It didn't matter. I couldn't get arrested because I never got pulled over. I right. couldn't, you know, it was, I've never been to jail. In 30 years, I've never been to jail. Mm -hmm. you know? And all that stopped. It's yeah. all gone now. I don't take anything for granted anymore. Yeah. So how do you want your kids and grandkids and posterity moving on for generations to come to look back, hey, Grandpa Joe, Dad, <laughs> what, do, what do you want them to remember you for? Well, now I don't really know. Um, before, obviously, it was I was striving to be the hardworking dad, the hardworking grandpa that had it all for the kids. And you know, I, I wanted to have that big spot out in the country of grandpas to go to. Mm -hmm. All the kid, you know, that's what I wanted. I want my kids to ride dirt bikes, and I wanted them to have snowmobiles and hunt and fishing. And, and now I'm scared. Mm. You know, I don't want my kids to ride dirt bikes. I don't want them to ride snowmobiles. I don't. It scares me. Hmm. Um, now it's just, I still want to have that spot that everybody can call grandpa's. Um, I want my kids to look up to me. It's really hard right now because I feel I'm not doing anything for them to look up at. Mm. And they don't see their hardworking dad no more that comes home covered in dirt. Or they don't get to see me out there mowing the grass and cleaning the yard all weekend anymore. Or mm. I don't get to come home and cook dinner for them anymore now, now I'm pretty much they're taking care of me mm. so it's really hard for me to think about what I want to be now for my kids and to keep the positive to I know that I put enough into them that they understand the somewhat facts of life of being Hard working, mm -hmm. you know, because you gotta work. No matter what it is, you have to work for it. 
not going to be given to you. You know, my kids don't definitely don't have a spoon, one of them silver spoons to eat off of, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Um, so they're going to have to work. And now that I'm not here to help, it's going to be hard for them. And I wish the best. Mm-hmm. And I want I'll be there for them no matter what. Do they ever come to you for advice? Hey, I'm really struggling here. What What, what do you think about that? Sometimes. They, they more go to mom. Yeah. Um, but they, they do, you know, cause we've been through, a, we've been through a lot together for this last journey, this journey that we're on, yeah. you know, it's, it's definitely hard on my kids. Their, their life's completely changed too. Yeah. You know, they don't have their wild and crazy dad running around anymore. So just a couple more things and I want to dig a little bit here and I started and then and then oh, yeah, we talked fine. about something else, which is totally worth it. You mentioned a few, several times in this conversation how you really admired how your dad got sober and that you have not been able to do that. Is that a goal in your life? Hey, you know, I want to sober up. I want to do this. Is that something that you really desire at this point or, or in a future time? Um, well, I am. <clears throat> I am sober right now. Oh, very cool. Um, other than uh, the medication that I take, mm-hmm. um, I do smoke pot for pain and mm-hmm. mental issues too okay. um, but that's all I do is just the drugs that the doctor give me right um, I haven't drank we've been uh, we haven't drank at all since uh, September we've been wow. me and Teresa have been 100% sober since September wow of drinking congratulations that's um, awesome but we only had a drink or that was our anniversary we just went out and had one drink so we've pretty much been sober for a year now wow what made you decide to do that? Uh, well, this little thing right here underneath me. This little wheelchair? Yeah. Um, I fought drinking. I've been drinking a lot. I've been drinking probably since I was 18. Mm-hmm. Probably daily since I was, I don't know, the last 10 years I've been drinking daily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never really had a problem with it. I just was drunk. I was just drinking all the time. I never really had a problem. Mm. I didn't think anyway. You didn't think, right? I didn't think it was a problem. Uh-huh. Um, my biggest problem was with meth. Mm. Mm. Um, I started smoking meth when I was 22. And did it for about four years, I would say, five years. Then I went to rehab. No, I did about three years. Four years I went to rehab. Um, I finished rehab, I stayed sober for a couple years and did it again, stayed sober for a couple years. You know, just battling with that, jumping back and forth was really one of my biggest issues. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm sober off of that now, July will be two years. Awesome. Um, I almost lost my family over it, mm-hmm. gotten to, uh, me and Teresa got and had a lot of problems with me doing that. Mm-hmm. I was hiding it from her. Um, yeah. It's not anything to mess with, man. Yeah. Um, so to be able to be sober off that, I think I'll be able to do it for the rest of my life now. Um, if I wouldn't have broke my neck, I probably wouldn't have been able to tell you that. Mm. Um, I was addicted to it. I fought it. I still fight it. But now that I'm broken and I can't just go get it and do what I want, Mm-hmm. So, it's a lot easier to stay off of it. 
now. Um, drinking just, I just, I broke my neck on a dirt bike when I was drunk. Mm. Um, I think if I wasn't drunk, I wouldn't have wrecked. And to just, I tried to drink when I got out of the hospital. You know, I thought that I was just gonna go right back to being Joe and drinking and partying and so what with life, but I couldn't do it. I tried it a couple of times and it just wasn't right. Yeah, I didn't feel right. Um, do you have resentments towards alcohol because of that? Like anger toward whatever alcohol in and of itself or? No. No? Hmm. I'm not. It's not the alcohol's fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool it, that you see that. That was my fault. Yeah. You know, it, I, yeah, it was all my fault. I didn't, nobody told me to get drunk. Nobody told me to get on that dirt bike. I'm glad my buddy told me to put my helmet on before I left. Mm. Um, my helmet saved my life. Mm. I guess you could say it saved my life. I'm still here to have a life. Yeah. Just a little different now. Mm-hmm. So I've never, I didn't really have any anger problems with it I do now though now I'm mad at myself mm. I, get, I get mad at myself quite a bit and it's really hard to deal with mm. I shouldn't have uh, obviously I shouldn't have done it shouldn't have been drunk on that dirt bike so it's it's really hard to swallow it but it makes it easier to stay sober at the same time yeah well, I think, and here I am being that counselor that has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I think that the, 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 the path that you're on, some of the things that you are realizing are things that your, your kids and grandkids will look at you and say, he's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. He's doing some, and he's done and is doing some really hard things and amazing things that bring value to our lives. Yeah. So. Well, I know I, I might not be the hardworking concrete guru that I used to be, but I have worked my ass off in the last 18 months to stay alive, to stay out of that hospital, to staying awake every day. I got to the point where I didn't even want to be awake. I would rather just lay here and sleep all day. Um, it's really hard to, to wake up and not be able to do anything. Mm. It's hard to wake up every day knowing that you're gonna just have to sit here and watch everybody else run around. Mm. At certain points, it's hard to just stare I get I get tired of staring out the window you have a decent view out here but I can see that it would get old really quick I get, I get tired of counting cars driving by on Market Street mm-hmm. so it's really that fight that I do every single day that I mean I remember when I had hoses I mean I got scars all over my stomach mm-hmm. I still got a bag on my stomach I still got a pee hose coming out of my stomach mm-hmm. You know, I had ventilators. I had a machine that made my lungs work mm-hmm. for a couple weeks in that hospital, a month in that hospital. I was hooked up to that machine, mm-hmm. fighting it to where it would make me breathe. Mm-hmm. I was pretty much being kept alive on that machine mm-hmm. to where I got, I fought that and I 
got past that. They told me I was going to have a trach in my throat for the rest of my life mm. because I couldn't breathe. My lungs were paralyzed. And I fought that fight. And my kids watched me. And my, kid, my kids have watched me die. They watched me fall out at the hospital. They watched me almost die in this house. Mm. My kids have watched me be drug out of this house in the ambulance numerous times. Mm. You know, they, they know what it's like to see their dad die already. Mm. And they're only teenagers. Yeah. So they're gonna see that in 20 years, you know, 30 years, when I'm 50, 70, 80 years old, and they're gonna know that Grandpa Joe beat that. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna have those pictures. I was looking on Facebook the other day of pictures that my daughter has on her Facebook of me when I was in the hospital and I weighed 130 pounds. And all was just skeleton. Hooked up to all these machines, just smiling away though. Yeah. Had the biggest smile on my face, just like I was enjoying life. But I wasn't. And that fight right there to just stay positive and to stay happy about this and not just be pissed off at the world because I know that I can't be that way for my family. Mm. Is that enough to know that, that you just can't be that way for your family? Yeah. Yeah. If I wasn't for my family, I wouldn't want to be here right now. Yeah. I wouldn't want to sit in this chair if it wasn't for my daughters and Teresa. There'd be no reason for me to even try to do this. So is that, if I were, well, let me ask you, what is the most important thing in life? My daughters. And what do you hope for them in their lives? I hope that they are strong enough to, and have learned enough from me and their mom that they could achieve a owned where they don't have to have support from a man because even if you have the greatest man in the world and the hardest working man in the world that does everything for you he could still fall off and ruin everything so you have to be strong to be able to take care of yourself and your family and not depend on him no matter what. And it's real important for me to see my daughters achieve that, you know? Because they might have the best man in the world, but he could break his neck tomorrow and you're gonna be screwed. And are you gonna be strong enough to be like your mom? And do what she's done for me. I, just, I wouldn't be here without her. And I want my daughters to be that way. Because that's a strong ass woman right there. Sorry. No, no, thank you. Any other words of wisdom or, or stories from <laughs> your life that you want to share before we close this up? Not really, man. I just, I know that I probably have just sat here and talked in circles. So, um,. All I can say is to just not take life for granted ever, you know, especially if you got kids because you might think it's cool to speed through that stop sign or 
do whatever, man. Just get in that car after having a couple beers or stay up all night tweaking in the woods. Do what whatever people want to do, man. You can't take it for granted because it can be taken away from you like that. And your whole life gets to change and you have no control over it. My whole life changed. My life went from being crazy and wild and free to now I just sit in the house and do nothing. Hmm. It's just my choice. I can get out. I I do get out. I shouldn't have said that, but mm-hmm. it is. It's just so much different now. You know, it, it takes an it takes an hour for me to get out of bed and get clothes on, and then it takes another hour for me to get downstairs and get in the car to go somewhere. You know, compared to when you can just I used to just jump up and be out of this house in five minutes. Yeah, gone on the road, concrete's on the way. You know. And for it to just be all taken away and have to learn it all over, it's really hard. Yeah. So you just shouldn't take it for granted at all. That's really the only thing I can say. And enjoy what you got in life because, once again, it could all be taken away from you just like that. Mm-hmm. And you have no control over it. Well, thanks for sharing all that with me, Joe. I appreciate that. Oh, I can share more. I got. Oh, what else you got? Yeah, I don't know. So, so we'll oh, let me ask you this. Let, me, like let ask, me do some thinking, and then yeah. we'll do some more talking later. Let me ask you one more question that I just thought about, and I've asked several people the same question: Have you spent very much time on boats in your life? Have you ever been out on too yeah. many boats? I've been on a boat. I went you, deep sea fishing a few times. Do you have any boat stories, like something that was like crazy that happened on a boat, or or memorable no. that happened? No. Okay. Yeah, for whatever reason, I find it intriguing. A lot of people who have spent time on boats have crazy stories, mm-hmm. like a crazy storm blew up or the whole the water know, thing is different. Yeah, I remember when a kid tubing, tubing yeah. out in Silver Lake, and hauling butt across the water, getting flung off the tube. You know, just more stupid stuff like that. You know, how many times I came close to hitting the dock on a tube? Mm. Stupid stuff like that that just. We were skiing up at uh, Roosevelt at uh, Porcupine Bay one time. And I was watching my friend Jared. He's passed away about 10 years ago almost. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I was watching him ski. I was in the boat and we were watching him ski. And he came in and let go. As we were coming in towards the beach, he would let go of the ski rope and just glide right into the beach on his ski all cool and standing up and just walk right into the off the water onto the sand well i thought i was gonna be cool and i was gonna try it come in the boat comes around and i let go and i'm hauling butt i let go of that rope way too late and i'm coming in and coming in as soon as them skis hit that sand i face first right into that sand all down in my face my pants everywhere it was horrible they have it on video no, see, oh, bummer. <laughs> see, that was before all the video yeah. stuff, man. I mean, if we could have had video cameras accessible like we have them right now. Back yeah. when I was doing crazy oh, stuff. Oh, man. We definitely would have won some money. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of glad. We, yeah, a lot of dumb things that, you know, I did in my life that I'm glad isn't aren't, you know, on video cameras so my kids. Right. Well, oh, look what Dad did. I can do that. Yeah, my kids yeah. love videotaping me now. Yeah. <laughs> they videotape me all the time, all the crazy, stupid things I do. In this, because I gotta make this fun, you know. Oh, absolutely. But if I don't, I notice that if I don't make it fun, it gets to me. 
and it gets to my family and it just all falls apart. Yeah. It's like I'm the center of this family. The rock, I guess you could say. And I think you're doing a great and job. And everybody just revolves around me and they're, it's like I'm carrying everybody, but I'm really not. Does that make you feel entitled or selfish? Being the center, and, and you know, Not, rightfully so, but yeah. Sometimes, it's like, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys don't have to involve me in everything. It's like, I, I'm okay, I don't have to go. Mm. But in this, you know, the, I get where they're coming from too. They want me to be involved, you know, and I can't be selfish about it. Sometimes it gets on my nerves, so. But I have to be strong because I know that those kids look forward to making sure that I'm not in the hospital today when they come home from school. Yeah. You know, and that's got to be a big thought in their head. Mm. Because they, you know, they all know that I'm so walking that thin line of being alive. Mm. I might look healthy, I might look, you know, this and that, but I am still walking that fine line of being alive and not being alive. Mm. And they know that. So for me to stay strong every day and get up and make sure I eat the right amount of food or just do whatever. Even if I'm just getting up and putting a damn smile on my face for when my kids come home, they can hug me. Rather than coming and laying next to me in bed because I was lazy that day. Mm. They would much rather see me up in these wheelchairs and they could race me in that one or yeah, you know, do whatever. Just simple little stuff like that mm. that they look up to. Rather than before it was, look at my dad, he's cool. He's Look at what he can do. Look at this. Look at that. You know, now it's not that way. Now they just have to hope. There you go back to that hope. Mm-hmm. What do I hope for? Yeah. I hope that my kids come home every day with a smile on their face, happy to see me. Yeah. And that gives me that drive to motivate myself to get up every day it don't work all the time mm-hmm. sometimes I hate the world and I just want everybody to leave me alone shut my door mm-hmm. just let me sit here and die mm-hmm. and I've said that numerous times mm-hmm. you know I just don't even want to be here no more just let me die why am I even here what's the point of me to be alive anymore I don't have a reason to be alive other than to sit in this dang wheelchair and it's hard to find that reason for me to stay alive every single day in my brain. Yeah. That works great. There's nothing wrong with it. As hard as I hit my head out there on that concrete curb, there ain't a dang thing wrong with my brain. Yeah. It's all still here. And I think the things that you mentioned earlier, hey, maybe go to school, become a counselor, those types of things are, are, are really cool and inspirational, actually. I, I think that a lot of things you've shared here relating life to concrete. I think these are all very inspirational things that uh, will help, they help me and they'll help a lot of people, I think, so. I really, I've gotten something, there's, I've always looked at life like there's a reason for everything. There's a reason why stuff happens. Mm -hmm. And especially now that I'm sitting here, there's a reason for me to be in this chair. And I haven't found it yet. So I'm still looking for it whether it's being a counselor, whether it's being a foster parent and buying a bigger house and adopting 20 damn kids, I don't know. Mm. Maybe I was meant to be a stay-at-home dad Mm. and there was no way to hold me down other than making me wreck that damn dirt bike. You know, there's a reason why I'm here. 
maybe I was living life too fast, and the only way I can ever slow down was to be put right here. Hmm. You know, who knows? And we'll put turbos on this this thing, and that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, I've seen the video the other day. <laughs> I watch a lot of videos. That's all right. I do is watch videos. <laughs> but I seen the video the other day. This dude had one just screaming fast, like. 50 miles an hour on this oh, thing. Oh, man. Sliding sideways around all the dirt <laughs> corners. Like, yeah, I need one. Uh, they got yeah. one that's on tracks, too. Oh, Like nice. snowmobile tracks. One on each side. <sighs> nice. Go wherever you want. Nice. Well, very cool. Well, Joe, I really have enjoyed this conversation, and I'll... I'm going to... Unless you have any other... I can't do anything else to say other than thank you for your time. So there you have it. A fantastic story... I love the catch line that I strive to do here. Ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Joe is definitely someone with an extraordinary story who still has a lot of story to write, and I really look forward to seeing a lot more of that story over the next many years. If you are getting something out of the Know and Do podcast and you would like to support it even more, please make sure that you go and look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for JTL Podcast and then like us and follow us there. Also, tell your friends and neighbors about us. Um, we're really excited to get the word out. I'm really excited to talk to a lot more people. I have a lot already that I've got in the can, but I'm looking forward to talking to a whole bunch more people and learning more about their lives and gaining life lessons from them, earning a little or learning a little bit of wisdom from them and their experiences. You can also listen to these podcasts just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just go and search for Journey Through Life Podcast, and you will find it. Subscribe to it there. Please review and rate us anywhere that you can. And I'm really excited once again to be partnered with A Life Untold. Don't forget to go check them out at alifeuntold.com. And when you check out, use the promo code JUSTIN at checkout to save 10%. Thanks once again for your time, for your attention, and for putting into practice the things you learn. That's the invitation here. If your heart was touched and you felt like you needed to improve on something in your life, to act on something, go and do it. It will make all the difference. Thank you. Mm -hmm.